0: And hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur.
1: This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today as we share with you books to help you grow. Now, books are so important in our life. They do amazing things. They can help us up-level so much. They can help us see things From a perspective or maybe even that we didn't even know, they can help us learn, they can help us grow, and they can help us work through the things that we need to understand so that we can be better people, get through the things that we're going through, do it successfully, powerfully, and then be the amazing person you're meant to be. These today are some books that are going to help you grow. They're so incredibly cool that I'm going to talk very very little during this episode. We'll have the commercial breaks, but other than that, I just really want you to dive into them and learn how to live as a thriving entrepreneur from books that help you grow. Join me in welcoming Trisha Wood Thomas. Hey Trisha, how you doing?
2: I'm fine, Steve. How are you doing today?
1: oh i'm doing really good thanks so uh welcome back you know another book for you this one is called 12 steps to journaling for caregivers but before we get started talking about the book tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world
2: well with me i am my dad hubert wood uh, passed away with alzheimer's dementia alzheimer's and in he was the one that inspired me to write this journal and uh the all the that we went through my family my mom and i as primary caregivers of my dad and just wanting to know information um about my dad and what he was doing uh what you know just with alzheimer's what what he was going through and as a caregiver you know you just you need to um be able to uh have information because you don't know you know it's as a caregiver it's very hard to know much less it's awful to see your loved one go through that but to to not know what to do as a caregiver and how because it really takes a toll on the person taking care of the loved one it takes a toll on them and and, in in their health their mental status and so i've written this journal so that it really helps the caregiver so that's why I started doing pageants in uh, the United States pageant system to be able to talk about my platform and help and have a, it's really pageants are an avenue and a platform to get out there in the community and do say what you wanna say. And so through the Alzheimer's helping my dad with the early caregiver, the early warning signs and being a caregiver, I was able to do the pageants and use that as a platform to do my public speaking and the work that I want to do and serve the community like I wanted to serve.
1: Absolutely. And as the uh, Sasha is saying, you are again, the current Mrs. Louisiana. Um, yes, I... How many times have and you won Mrs. Louisiana now?
2: This is my fourth time to be Mrs. Louisiana. So, I am very excited um, to come back and represent again with the United States pageant system. So, it's a great pageant system. Uh, Tony Alonqua is the owner and his late mother, Isabella Alonqua, uh she recently passed away last year. And it's been very hard for all of us when in being in this pageant system, I feel like I'm a part of their family. And, and that's exactly what the United States pageant system is. When you are in that system you are a part of a family and I've um, just stayed in it and now it's four years and I can't believe it and I'm so humbled to be a part of the system and love each and every one of them so much it's just a um, humbling experience to get out and to be a part of an organization that wants to serve the community that's what United States pageant system is about it's not about a crown and a sash it is but it that's a platform to be able to say what we want to say and the great thing about the national system but the united states national system is that they allow each contestant to talk about their own avenue of what their own work and their service so mine is you know alzheimer's so in the early warning signs of helping caregivers but another girl may have contestant may have childhood cancer or drug trafficking or or human trafficking and and so it it allows it's a great pageant system that allows people to be able to talk about their own work and their own service and that is exactly why i got into this is so that i could help honor my dad and his legacy through helping others and this pageant system is definitely an an avenue that has led me to do that for four years. And that's why I'm still in it and, and love them so much.
1: I love that. And have you been Mrs. United States once or twice now?
2: I have never won the United States title. So hopefully, fingers crossed. And, um, and if it's God's will, you know, I will uh, win. Uh, I, hopefully this time we have October, 18th, will start the week, that whole week through the 22nd, the United States National Pageant System will be going on, and so I'll be in that, representing Louisiana, so we're hoping I'll bring home the crown this time, I'm, I really hope so, and you know, but even if I don't, I've, I've done a great job, and, and, and been able to talk about my work, and my service, and getting those early warning signs out there to people, and to be able to write, you know, the the first book I did was a, uh, a recipe book that I just did as a tribute to my dad and his healthy choice eating, uh, and not so healthy choice eating. We kind of did a, a both, but it was his favorite res- recipes, and I did that for him. And then we, this journal, to be able to put this journal out and talk about the 12 steps of being a caregiver, because being a caregiver to it, I ran into so many people along the way, Steve, that... That came to me, and they were like, "What do I do with my father? Or what do I do with my mother? I'm having trouble. It's it's very hard. What do I do? How do I do this? What do I do that?" And we knew all the little things that they could do and help. And I didn't know everything, and certainly I'm not a know-it-all of everything. But I I had been through it enough that I was able to write a journal, and I found the twelve steps. Of being a caregiver. I found that. So being able to find that was um, on a level of, wait, I need to put this into a journal and make this into it. So it's really a workbook journal that they can take this one day and this step and work through that step. And they may be on that step for a day. They may be on it for a month. They may be on it for six months, you know, just to get through that step. And it really is, you know, how am I feeling today? You know, not realizing that their parent or their loved one uh, to not let that get them down, you know, you have, because they're sick and you have to take care of yourself when you're a caregiver. I mean, you, because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your loved one. And that's where caregivers tend to fall, you know, when they're, when they're doing that. So.
1: Absolutely. So um, they have to get the book in order to get all 12 steps, but maybe you can tell us what's step one, where do we start when we begin to actually start taking care of ourselves as caregivers?
2: You know, I think as, you know, step one is, you know, one of the, I can't remember if this is actually step one or step two, but step, the the first, one of the first steps is knowing that what's happening to your loved one, uh, accepting it is, is, is just accepting it, right? Because any, even if someone passes away, you know, when my dad passed away, we had to accept that he passed away. The grief, the grief is so hard. And, and, and when someone gets uh, Alzheimer's, there definitely is a level of, I've got to, I've got to accept this and, and the acceptance of the Alzheimer's for your loved one and knowing that it's not your fault. It's, it's just, Something they've they've got it. We've got to accept it. We've got to learn how to deal with it, and I think that's where people really uh, fall short is they they um, beat themselves up about it. And we try to help people not to beat yourself down. But you know you've got and you've got to turn to God. You know I'm a Christian person and and I'm saved and I believe in 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 turning to God. And I tell every everyone I come across that's a caregiver is you know God has got His arms around you just pretend like he's hugging you every day because you as a caregiver you 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 do you get it's lonely i mean that your love some of the loved ones can't talk back to you they're there and when they do it's just they repeat the same thing it's repetitive it's exhausting so to be a caregiver it's a lot of strain on a person and um it so this i really hope and and prayed about it and i really hope that this journal helps others get through being a caregiver and and come out on the other end and and just be okay
1: help us have a a little bit of an understanding of what it looks like to um you know get to the other side you said you hope that it helps them get to the other the other end Um, what does that look like for people
2: it, and it looks like different things for different people. Some people can have Alzheimer's for 10 years and it's a lot on a caregiver. My dad, once he was diagnosed, he had it for about two years and he just kept fading and fading. And then when he passed away, and I guess that's what I'm talking about, the other end, because there is no cure for Alzheimer's right now. It's so sad and there is no cure. And I wish there was a cure. I could sit here and say there's a cure. There's There are drugs out there that help keep you prolong it and uh, where you can uh, be okay with it um, longer you can remember more like Numinda and some of the others but as far as um, a cure no, there's not so the you know when it's all said and done and at the end of the day and it was so sad because I miss my dad so much it's very sad and and but I have to tell you it it's not easy and it's sad because you see them fade and fade and fade because but the workbook journal that i've created and those 12 steps really work walks people through all of it from the beginning to the end and they'll just have to get the journal and you know and and look at it and and it is it it is kind of neat to to go through the twelve steps, it really does help if you're a caregiver. It really does. If you're not a caregiver, or but if you know a caregiver, this would be a great book to share with them.
1: Absolutely, and I, and it applies for people. I mean, obviously, if you're helping somebody with Alzheimer's, but uh, lots of different caregiving. I mean taking care of little children. <laughs> um, you know, all of the different elements that can come into to giving care to other people. It's a really effective uh, method, journal, and book to be able to really help you through that. So for people who want to, um, uh, you know, get the journal, I'm going to put the, uh, the link here in so that people can get the journal. It's free today, actually, on Amazon. Um, but for people who want to get deeper involved in the Alzheimer's community and helping out in those kind of things. Uh, what What can they do beyond that?
2: We have um, I don't for anyone that's watching this all over the United States, the Alzheimer's Association is in every state. and most every town has an Alzheimer's association. I would say to reach out to your hometown, see if there's one in your hometown if there's not there may be one near your hometown get involved you know get involved in in walks there's alzheimer's walks i have one coming up this month uh september 30th here in covington louisiana and i'll be walking uh, with the, with them and we do this every year and they do it all over the united states in different months uh just to varies on um, the organization but it, it is a great thing to get involved in the walks. There's other avenues as well, but our walks are our biggest fundraiser for the Alzheimer's Association. So I would say to reach out to your um, local Alzheimer's charity uh, uh, association and get involved in these charities and, and these um, events that we raise money because we raise money for advocacy and research, which is so important. I'm, a, am, and I'm an ambassador a state champion speaker and i go to washington dc every year and we're always looking for advocates so through that you might could be an advocate and go to washington dc and lobby with me and um with others and we have uh, lobbyists in every state of the united states so it's really there's a lot of of ways and we need all kinds of volunteers the alzheimer's association there's there's um no limit to anyone volunteering i mean we you know, it's, it's a great thing, and um, it's a great thing to get involved in, especially if you have a family member, and it makes you feel closer. It makes you feel like you're, you know, it makes me feel like I'm I'm still doing something. It makes me feel close to my dad. You know, I miss him so much, and, and getting involved in this Alzheimer's Association, it really made me feel like I was doing something. I wasn't just sitting idle, and Alzheimer's, we, we're finding out more research, more information about it every day. And that's why it's so important to have these fundraisers and walks. And just like the journal that I do, the monies that go to that will be given to the Alzheimer's Association. So,
1: I love that. The book is called 12 mm-hmm. Steps to Journaling for Caregivers by Tricia Wood Thomas. Tricia, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today.
2: Thank you for having me, Steve.
1: Thank you to all of you that are caregivers in people's lives. You do amazing things. We're so glad to have you in our lives and to see you live as a thriving entrepreneur. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Steve Kidd. I am a third-generation minister an international best-selling author of multiple books, and I help people write, publish, and market their books to best-seller. In fact, there are literally thousands of people that have used the system that I created to be able to write, publish, and market their books, and now they're best-selling authors, and you're next. I just wanted to come on for a minute, say hi to you, tell you a little bit about me, introduce myself, and tell you I know the world is waiting on your message, and I would be so honored to be part of sharing your message with the world. Go to AskSteveKid.com and schedule a time to talk today. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. We're looking at books to help you grow. We're not going to take a whole lot of time here. We're going to jump right back into the next book to help you be a thriving entrepreneur. Here we go. Join me in welcoming Jared Julia. Hey, Jared, how are you doing today? Oh, great. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Thanks. The book is called Critical Feather Theory. I love this book; it cracks me up every time I get to say the name. Um, but before we jump into talking about the book, tell us first just a little bit about you.
0: Yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a parent. I live in a small town in uh, in Western Maine, and uh, I put two kids through uh, the public school system, and then they both went to college. My daughter went to Emerson, and my uh, my son went to Saint Anselm in uh, in New Hampshire, and um, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised at how the college experience has changed so much since since I went to college, and uh, I I started to um to look into it because it was um it was kind of disturbing uh you know what some kids are being taught today or not being taught, and uh, so even though I'm not an educator, my wife actually is she's a lifelong teacher. I'm not an educator or an expert or anything like that. I'm I'm simply a parent that. Just got very concerned about uh, about a lot of the stuff that's going on, and uh, you know, had no idea what I could do about it. So,
1: so critical feather theory. Um, I think some people have probably already guessed, but <laughs> explain to us what critical feather theory is.
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's obviously a, a kind of mocking uh, critical race theory. Uh, which is a a, a theory that is in academia right now, and um, it's being taught to our children. And really what it is, like a lot of things that we loosely refer to as woke, because actually woke started out as a good thing. It started out um, just kind of awakening people to the injustices that other people in their society and their communities were experiencing. And so it started out as a nice, innocent, and good thing but then it has grown into this whole belief system, um, which is very, very disturbing and gives uh, kids a distorted view of both history and present day reality. And one of the offshoots of this woke uh, philosophy is critical race theory, uh, which really shows that um, all white people are inherently racist um, and all black people are inherently victims. And um, and uh, that there's really no salvation uh, for uh, for 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 people that are white or are oppressors. And um, so it's like this. I don't know if if you're from the Catholic tradition, they have penance for sins. uh, And so it's like this lifelong penance uh, that certain people have to have and then lifelong privileges uh, that other people uh, must enjoy. And a lot of us see, see this as utter madness. Uh, this is very very destructive um to um uh to 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 race relations so um so that's why i wanted to talk about it and um and uh, yeah to talk about it and to really educate people as to what it is and what its origins more importantly are Excuse me. Mm, I
1: love that. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the origins of it. Because I know, and, and the book's so much fun, and it's got such cute illustrations in it. But I know that I learned a lot of things that I didn't know. Um, so talk to us a little bit about the origins. You know, I mean, you talked about woke starting off as a good thing. So tell us the good parts about it, because a lot of people haven't heard any good about it either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think it's always good to be aware of challenges that certain people have that maybe you or I don't. Uh, there's people from other countries, there's people that, um, you know, I look about, uh, you know, the, the the benefit that I had economically when I first graduated from college and I got my first real job, uh, my parents told me that I needed to put the maximum that I could into my 401k. And I really didn't think I needed to. I didn't think about, I wasn't thinking about retirement at the age of 22. Uh, but they got me thinking along those lines. And I just wonder, people that don't have that same advantage, uh, you know, what, what, what have they done? You know, maybe they didn't contribute to their 401k and, until they're like in their 50s or something, and then really it's, it's, it's too late. So there are a lot of people that through culture, through education, and through where they start out economically do have certain advantages. And to call attention to this and understand that not everyone has your advantages, I think is a good and positive thing. But unfortunately, it's kind of branched out into something much worse. It's almost like the origins of the mafia. I'm an Italian-American, uh, and there were these pirates, uh, Mediterranean pirates, that, that threatened the towns in, in Sicily. And uh, while the villagers were in church, uh, the, the pirates would come and steal things uh, from these coastal towns. And so the mafia was set up to prevent this from happening. Uh, but then after these pirates stopped coming, you know, because of the political situation changed, um, the, they, you know, they, they, they grew into something far more disturbing and far more, uh, far reaching. And, uh, that's really what happened to woke. It started out as, Hey, let's think about other people that don't have our advantages to really this, uh, it's grown into this denial of basic reality and, um, you know our kids shouldn't be taught this so I love that
1: um, yeah, I, I just totally went off on a total tangent and I want to keep on your book and not talk about pirates in the Mediterranean oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, yeah. Uh, but yeah and and you know so so uh, so woke has grown into um, uh, something where it's um, it, it really is almost like uh, uh, the overlap between Marxism and Nazism. Because we're taught that Marxism is way over here to the left and Nazism is way over here to the right. But when I started researching the origins of woke, I started to discover that philosophically, um, there are actually a lot of the same philosophies drive um, uh, communism that also drive Nazism. And there's a very famous philosopher named Heidegger, who's a German, uh, who was the president of Freiburg University. But he was appointed to that position by Adolf Hitler. So he was a card-carrying Nazi. And yet a lot of his philosophy shows up in Woke. Um, And of course, Marxists like Michel Foucault and uh, Jacques Derrida, uh, these were all unrepentant Marxists. A lot of their beliefs uh, show up in Woke. So it's this overlap of these two philosophies that really killed more people in the 20th century and created more hardship and really created a lot of suffering of a lot of innocent people. And yet the same philosophical underpinnings uh, are, are, are in modern day woke, which is being taught to our children. So, you know, with Hitler Youth and with these other youth organizations that all communist societies have, Uh, where they encourage you to tell on your parents, they kind of drive a wedge between the student and the parent. We're seeing that with woke educators today. And they get this from their Marxist slash Nazi philosophical forefathers, if if, if you will. Um, So so I started researching all this and I had never read Mein Kampf before, but I read it while researching for this book. I read the Communist Manifesto, uh, having only heard about these things. And I thought, oh my gosh, There's so much woke in in these, you know, woke took so much uh, from a lot of these texts that it was um, very, very disturbing. And then one thing um, about uh, Marxism and how it directly draws from um, uh, from uh, that woke directly draws from Marxism is um, is that you see a lot of the Marxist strategy. Uh, in a lot of our daily lives that we don't necessarily associate with woke. Like uh, Marxists really wanted to push to make art to, make art, uh, to be less um, recognizable as art. They wanted to make it look like paintings just had uh, uh, paint thrown at a canvas. They wanted sculpture to just look like these, um, uh, these uh, uh, you know, just these images that really didn't make any uh, visual sense. And so when we look at modern art, we don't think of that as woke and we certainly don't think of it as Marxist. And yet in the early 60s and 50s, when the Marxists were really pushing to say, look, we can really dishearten these democracies. We can really dishearten these free societies if we make their uh, art just look like nothing, just look like garbage. Uh, And then at the same time, you have the modernist movement where it really looks like, you know, paints just being thrown at a canvas. It's, you know, it kind of disturbs you. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so much. And then seeing our forefathers or our founding fathers of our country as being whatever they had to say was just old and, uh, and no longer relevant in modern day. You hear that out of the mouths of Marxists back in the day. And then you hear that out of the mouths of woke educators now. And it's like, there's so many parallels that after a while, you can't say this is coincidence. One had to draw from the other.
1: And thus we come to a dystopian world where Winston finds himself fighting against or being trapped against, I'm not even sure which way you want to say it, critical feather theory. Um, You know, I've often said, and I think that more than anything, what people need to understand is history is just what it is. You know, there's some really good parts, but there's some really, really ugly parts of history. And all we can do with history is tell it and to quote Gouda. Uh, we either learn the lessons of history or we're destined to repeat them um, and so as difficult sometimes as it can be to bring up the the icky things um, in you know our society as well as any others uh, we need to address those kind of things and really look at them and i love the way you've done it because you've added in a sense of humor so that it's not just some kind of textbook but it's it's really just a fun way of looking at it, and making go, "Hmm, I wonder."
0: <laughs> yeah, I wanted to make it accessible because I'd done a lot of research, but all of the things written about this subject were all very serious papers written by academics that uh, that did not like um, that did not like uh, woke's influence over academia and scholarship. And uh, but they were, you know, there were things no one would read, and I mean, who would actually read the? cover to cover the communist manifesto. So I'm thinking no one's gonna actually read this stuff. So I have to write it in a way that just makes it more accessible. And I think humor uh, makes it more accessible. And also, you know, the fact that it's a graphic novel, a lot of silly pictures and a lot of uh, funny images um, can just kind of, uh, you know, get people to, to really understand because it's not, this is not a battle for the intellectuals or for the educators this is a battle for everyone. Everyone should know what the stakes are and everyone should know what's what's going on with this because it is very important. There's nothing more important than you or I will do than educate our children. And there's nothing that a society will do that's more important than educate their next generation. And uh, so I don't see this as some obscure intellectual battle between uh, two groups of stuff shirts uh, arguing uh, over uh over coffee i i i think that this is a battle that every parent everyone who's sent a kid to school everyone who's paid a college tuition everyone deserves to weigh in on on this uh on this battle
1: oh i agree completely i mean I encourage uh youths young adults probably would be a better word uh when they're in college to debate things, to listen to. And I guess that would be my takeaway from the book, too, is, you know, just listen to other people's arguments. Don't let everybody else's opinions become yours, but rather, you know, engage in debate and understand why you believe what you believe rather than just, you know, well, that's the way everybody else does it kind of a thing. I I love your approach to it. So what's one takeaway that people other than the fact that they need to get the book, that people could get out of critical feather theory?
0: Well, I guess the takeaway is when I started uh, feeling um, that uh, that there was something wrong with my children's education, I tried to fight it by myself. I, I went to the school and confronted a teacher, and she simply said, oh, you're right, uh, You know that won't happen again. And then she continued to do what she was doing before, um, so I just to say to parents, the, the big takeaway is, number one, don't fight this on your own. There's so many parents' rights organizations al- already out there uh, that can help you. There's such strength in numbers. We really shouldn't get angry. We should get organized. Um, and that's really the only way to fight this is to be part of a movement. Um, fighting it on your own, I tried and, and failed. So the only way um, is to, is to get organized. But the other thing is don't lose heart. Um, we are going to win this and, um, and, you know, because you can feel the tide's turning and it's not just conservative parents, it's conservative, liberal, uh, uh, you know, moderate parents. I mean, it doesn't seem to matter what their party affiliation is or what their, uh, or what the, their ideology is. The parents are coming together and are pushing back on this madness. So take heart. You're not the only one that's felt this way. You're not the only one that, that suspects there's something wrong with your kid's education. But there is something we can all do about it. And the tide is turning in the right direction.
1: I love it. Well, you can get Critical Feather Theory today for free on Amazon. I put the link. It's also in the description in case you missed it up there. It's also down in the comments now. Jared, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today.
0: Thank you, Steve.
1: That title of that book cracks me up every time, but it's got a powerful message, and I hope you'll read it, and it will help you grow. Let's take another break. Hi, my name is Steve Kidd. I am a third-generation minister, an international bestselling author of multiple books, and I help people write, publish, and market their books to bestseller. In fact, there are literally thousands of people that have used the system that I created to be able to write, publish, and market their books. And now they're best-selling authors. And you're next. I just wanted to come on for a minute, say hi to you, tell you a little bit about me, introduce myself, and tell you, I know the world is waiting on your message. And I would be so honored to be part of sharing your message with the world. Go to askstevekid.com and schedule a time to talk today. This is Steve, welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we look at books to help you grow. Got one more book here for you from a great expert, and I'm just really looking forward to bringing him to you. So let's jump right into it. Join me in welcoming Dr. Noah St. John. Hey, Noah. So glad to have you back here with us again.
3: Thank you, Steve. Great to be back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So maybe people haven't listened to the other interviews we've done. So just to catch them up real quick, tell us a little bit about you.
3: Well, I'm Dr. Noah St. John. I'm known as the father of affirmations and the mental health coach to the stars. I'm known worldwide for helping entrepreneurs, experts, coaches, chiropractors, health professionals, uh, basically people from all walks of life to make more in just 12 weeks than they did in the last 12 months, while also winning their lives back at the same time, meaning winning back at least one to three hours in their day and four to eight weeks in their year. And so, you know, it's one of the things that I've been teaching for many, many years now, over 25 years, is that, you know, it's great to make a lot of money, and that's wonderful. But what's even better is to, is to have your life back. So that's, uh, it's really exciting to see people's, uh, you know, the, their eyes light up and just uh, really saying that, you know, Noah, thank you for, for saving my marriage, for saving my life, sometimes saving my business. And um, it's, uh, it's really pretty amazing, really, what we see the results.
1: I love that. So last time we were together just a couple of weeks ago here, mm-hmm. we were talking about the seven figure expert in that book, and you now have a really cool follow up guide with it that is called the seven figure expert, um, how to make your life of more influence, but it's a manual that goes with it if I'm, if I'm correct, Right.
3: Yeah, that's right. So we have we have the two books, which are really companion books. The first is a seven figure life, how to leverage the four focus factors for More wealth and happiness. That's what we talked about last time. And now we have the companion book, the seven figure expert, your ultimate guide to a life of more impact, influence and financial freedom. So really, these two books go together. Uh, You know, so this one is really aimed at helping people win their lives back. You know, like I said, it's great to have a lot of money, but what if you don't have a life? And then this is really for people who really want to add six or even seven figures to their businesses as an expert, a coach, a consultant, a course creator. Uh, But like I said, I've helped chiropractors, health professionals, network marketers, affiliate marketers, online marketers, uh, really for over 20 years now. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what we're excited about.
1: I love that so much. So um, what what are we doing in the second book? I mean, obviously the first book is just more reading. Explain to me how the second book comes together to be a companion to the first one.
3: Yes. So, Many people who uh, start an online business or want to start an online business. One of the biggest things that people ask me all the time in my one-on-one coaching and in my group coaching is, Noah, where do I start? You know, because there's so much noise out there. There's so many gurus and you know social media and everything, and it's really just it's just so much noise. Uh, as I've been saying for many years, in fact we don't live in the information age. We live in the information overload age. You know, we passed the information age 20 miles back, right? We're we're all on overload, right? And so that's why it's really hard to know who to trust. And so the point is that I've been teaching this and doing this myself for over 25 years now. I started my company, successclinic.com, in a In 1997, in a 300 square foot basement apartment with $800 in a book on HTML, you know, and since that time, you know, we've helped over 10,000 entrepreneurs from all walks of life over 140 countries, you know, all around the world to add six and seven and even eight figures to their business. So that's really what the seven figure expert book is focused on is really breaking it down step by step and helping you to really add those six or even seven figures to your business. So it's really aimed at people, uh, entrepreneurs, experts, uh, authors, speakers, who want to really have these, uh, these systems in place so that the business is working hard for you rather than you working so hard for your business.
1: Oh, man, there are so many people that resonate with that. They get up in the morning, they work from what we used to call can to and then they still have more work to do next thing you know, you're looking at the clock and it's after midnight and you still haven't gone to bed. And then you wake up the next morning and the bank account doesn't look any better than it did the day before. Uh
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's really true. And, and, you know, that really goes to this thing that so many people are really um, talking about out there, which is this hustle culture, you know, the hustle and grinders, as I call them, right? And there's so many uh, of the, I also call them the Lambros, right? The Lambros and, you know, they have pictures in front of their Lambos and it's like, hey, look how cool I am. And, you know, if you're not working 14, 16, 18 hours a day, then you're a loser. You know, and I'm like, no, timeout, guys. You know, that is such bull. And, and, you know, I'm really here to position myself against the hustle and grinders. Now, certainly I'm not suggesting that there are times in our lives and our businesses where we have to work hard i mean there there are certain times where you have to maybe work you know 10 12 14 hours a day you know if you're let's say you're creating a a new course or a new book or just getting something off the ground hey there's times i mean in my 30s i was working you know 10 12 14 hours a day because i didn't care you know i I didn't have a wife i didn't even have a girlfriend at the time and so you know i was working all the time and you know i didn't really care But now, you know, I'm a little bit older, uh, quite a bit older, you know, 25 years later. And, you know, you really want to have the systems in place. So you are not always hustling and grinding. You want the systems working for you. So you're not working so hard for your business.
1: So there's two questions that I want to ask you simultaneously, but I'll try to break them down one at a time. Um, Question number one, what about the myth of the, you know, you can work two to 10 hours a week and really be successful. Is that true?
3: I, I, yeah I, I mean it is i mean there's a little bit of uh you know again a misnomer there uh you know there's a the whole thing about the four-hour work week which is interesting because you know the author of that book tim ferris i mean he's very well known for working you know 14 18 20 hours a day you know so he's he's one of those that that says one thing and then does another you know and that's very common unfortunately in this guru industry but the point is that um, nevertheless, you know, for example, I work, uh, what I like to call a semi-retired life right now. I mean, I have a semi-retired life. But I work about, you know, 20 to 25, maybe 30 hours a week, uh, which is kind of nice. In fact, what I really like is, you know, cause we also talk about the flex culture out there, right? The flex, like, here's my flex, you know, I'm in front of my Lambo in front of my, I'm in front of my, uh, you know, helicopter, my private jet, you know, so I'm flexing, right. And a lot of Lambros do that. So my favorite flex is shut my computer off at five o'clock every night. You know, that's my favorite flex It's like, dude, I, I, I want a life. You know, I, I want to enjoy time with my family, with my wife, you know, and just we have a pond in the backyard and, you know, with waterfalls. I like looking at my fish. I like watching the birds, you know, and it sounds corny, but it's like, gosh, you know, how much is enough? And so the point is that we live in this culture where it's never enough. So I'm taking a stand very firmly against the point of saying it's never enough. And I'm saying, well, when is enough? And of course, that's a very personal question for every individual person. It's not like I can answer that for the, you know, the viewer or the listener or the reader. The point is I'm giving you systems so that you can answer it for yourself. So you're not always working all the time. I'll give you a quick example. I was working with one of my clients. We have, we have a program called the 12-week breakthrough where I do, I help you. It's a group program where I help you make more in 12 weeks. Than you did in the previous 12 months while winning your life back. Well, we had one client in that program named Aubrey, and she had been working in her business very, very hard for 15 years, 15 years in her business, but it was really flatlined. I mean, no growth in 15 years. And she was working these 10, 12, 14, 18 hour days. And in fact, you've heard of the phrase working yourself to death. She was actually doing that. She was she was working herself so hard she put herself in a wheelchair, and you know, even still working as hard as she was, it wasn't growing. So she joined my 12 week breakthrough program. I l- helped her you know install the systems that i that I give you in the book, and in one year, less than one year, she doubled her income after working so hard for so long with nothing to show for it. So the point is that now she's able to spend more time with her family, and she's making a lot more money and that's really what you know we call success
1: absolutely um, working smarter, not harder, and actually yeah. having more money in the bank account at the end of the day <laughs>
3: That's
0: right. Yeah.
1: All right. So life happens. We've all had it happen to us. Um, You know, you're chugging along, you've got a pretty good life, pretty good business. And then, you know, the economy changes, presidents change, whatever. Um, And uh, you find yourself with a company that you still love, you still want to do. So I'm not talking about the people that are changing careers, but um, you know, it's not performing like it used to. Um, What kind of advice do you have for folks when they're, instead of starting from scratch they're re-energizing to go again to that six or seven figure level
3: Actually, that's exactly who I specialize in. I mean, that's most of my clients are like you just described, people who have been working for a while, you know, whether it's a few years or, or many years, and they're just hitting that, as I call it, that income ceiling. You know, you keep hitting that income ceiling like Aubrey, who I was just telling you about. Um, I'll, I'll give you another example. I was working with uh, one of my clients who's uh, joined my 12-week breakthrough program, and, and she is a, uh, you know, an entrepreneur in Arizona, and she is a self-proclaimed seminar junkie. And she was going to all these seminars, but just kept hitting that income ceiling. But she was working really hard, spending all this time, all this money. And in the first two weeks of working in my 12-week breakthrough program, she tripled her investment. She tripled in two weeks. We hadn't even gotten to the money part yet. Okay. So the point about that is that when you have these systems in place, and what, one of the things that we talk about that I'm known for is helping people with their inner game and their outer game. And that's one of the reasons we see this as I call it hockey stick growth, you know, like, again, like people I've been talking about and people in the book, who are, you know, just go along like this, and it's okay, you know, you're making all right money, but you're just you just keep hitting a ceiling, no matter how hard you try. And so, you know, if you put these systems in place, that's where the magic happens. And then boom, you get that hockey stick, and it's, whoop, you know, just right through the roof, double, triple, quadruple. Uh, really in less than a year. I mean, we've seen it happen many, 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 many times. And so the point is, one of the reasons we're able to do that, and I talk about this in the book, is the inner game and the outer game. So inner game is everything that happens between your ears that you can't see directly, but it affects everything that you do. Meanwhile, the outer game is everything that you can see directly that also affects everything that you do. But what happens is most people who are struggling are struggling because of either a lack of knowledge about how to master their inner game or their outer game or more commonly it's really a combination of both you know so like i think i was talking about in the last uh, you know conversation we had about charles one of my clients who you know he said "Noah, uh, if we don't get this in place i'm gonna i'm gonna miss out on i'm gonna lose a million dollars this year it's gonna cost me a million dollars if we don't put these things in place so he paid me 100k to coach him one-on-one for 12 months that's 10 percent of a million and i said you know just give me 10 percent." and i said and he said okay so the point is that in less than 12 months, I didn't find him a million dollars, I found him $1.8 million in 10 months. And that is a result of this inner game and outer game. And so that is really what causes that hockey stick growth.
1: Absolutely. So I mean, especially when you start talking about examples of people who Mm -hmm. have possibilities of a million dollars already coming up, you know, other people are like, Oh, my gosh, no, I, you know, I couldn't afford that at all. So um, you know, other than of course getting the book, which of course you know is gonna cost them next to nothing, <sighs> what are some of the things that you do with one on one on one with people that um aren't necessarily commit to a hundred thousand dollars right up front.
3: Yeah, absolutely. This is one of the things I absolutely talk about, you know, in our one-on-one coaching and our group coaching and in the book, and that is the different levels of service that you as an expert want to offer. So there's basically three levels of service and that is done for you, done with you and do it yourself. Okay. So the done for you, as an example, like we have a, a book done for you program or service, right? So we get your book done for you. You come to us and for, I'll give you an example. I'm working with a stem cell doctor right now and we're writing a book for him on anti-aging. He came to us, he, you know, he'd heard about me, heard me on the program. He says, Hey Noah, you know, I hear you the best in the business and I want to write this book. Now he had this book rattling around in his head for like 10 years. Well, we got it done for him in four weeks, four weeks. And we got a book done. Okay. Then we also have a funnel done for you service, meaning, you know, there's lots of people who hear about funnels, but they don't know how to build. They don't know where to start. And again, there's a lot of noise out there. There's a lot of misinformation, a lot of bad information, just wrong information. So we get your, your funnel done for you, right? So we're building, like for this doctor, we're uh, writing his book and we're also creating his book funnel, all right? So we have that. That's the done for you. Then we have the done with you. Right. So the done with you level is like with the 12 week breakthrough, you get 12 weeks of coaching with me where I help you to install your inner game and outer game. So, you know, that's where you're actually working with me directly. And then we have to do it yourself. So for those people who really want to do it independently at your own pace, We have a do-it-yourself programs like Power Habits Academy, like seven-figure machine. So you can just go through at your own pace. So every level has its benefits, you know, pros and cons. So for done for you is, um, you know, it's the most money. It's the most investment. So like that doctor, he paid me $60,000 to, you know, get this book and his book funnel done. But, you know, that's the type of person who has the money and they have the desire, but they're like, I don't want to do it myself. Just can you do it for me? No. And I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, I've got a team. We do it. Then done with you is for the person that that really wants that interaction, right? Like get your questions answered and really that supportive group environment, that accountability, that really we all need to reach our goals faster. And then the done uh, the do it yourself level is for maybe the person that you know doesn't have the money right now, but they really want the result, right? So they want the inner game, which is Power Habits Academy. They want the outer game, right? The offers, the funnels and traffic, which is Seven Figure Machine. So that's what I encourage all of my clients to do: is have those different levels of service as much as you can. Now, there is one caveat there. When we're talking about personal growth, right, like mindset or mental health, which I've been teaching for over 25 years, I have not yet figured out a way to have a done for you of of mental health, right? So for example, the example I always give is, Um, imagine if you wanted to get in shape, right? Let's say you wanted to, you know, get six pack abs, right? You're like, you see all the commercials out there or watching videos like, Hey Noah, I hear you're the best personal trainer out there. So I want you to help me get six pack abs. I'm like, sure, let's do it. Right. And then you say, there's just one thing I want you to do my sit-ups for me. So I get six pack abs. Now, wouldn't that be great? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome if you could hire somebody, pay them to get so you you they do the exercise and you get the six-pack ass wouldn't that be awesome i mean that'd be amazing so i haven't figured out how to do that yet right when I, now i'd be a billionaire right if i could figure that one but so far i mean unless other than getting a lobotomy I, I don't know how you can do that so the point is there are some limitations to that but the point still is for almost everybody watching the program you can probably offer you know a done with you and a do-it-yourself service and then if you're able to you know certainly want to do the the, done for you for for that reason that I talked about.
1: Absolutely. All right. So again, seven figure life, which is the book that then leads into the seven figure expert that helps people, you know, with the ultimate guide to life, more impact, influence and financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get a free copy by going to seven figure expert book.com. Um, mm-hmm. what, what are we going to find when we get to that URL?
3: Yeah, sevenfigureexpertbook.com. That is the, uh, yeah, just like it sounds, the number seven. So yeah, this is the book. So there it is, sevenfigureexpertbook.com. Very easy to remember. And so yeah, the book is free. So because you're watching this program, we're giving you a copy of the book for free. So I've covered the cost of the book. We just ask you to cover the shipping. So we ship anywhere on planet earth, right? So United States, Canada, you know, all around the world. Um, And then there's, you know, different uh, offers. If you want to get some help, you want to help with me, uh, you know, or if you want some of the do-it-yourself program so you can literally get the result faster, right? So the book is, oh, oh, and by the way, when you order your book at SevenFigureExpertBook.com, while you're waiting for the book to arrive on your doorstep, I'm also going to give you for free the digital version of the book. So you can start studying immediately, right? As soon as you go to SevenFigureExpertBook.com, order your copy, you know, it's free, just cover the shipping. And then I, I do give you the digital version, the digital edition right away while you're waiting for the book uh, to come to your doorstep, um, you know, and then there's other different opportunities there. And it's really just helping you to get the result fast. So if you want to add that six or seven figures, you want to reach that seven figure level in your expert business, whether you're a coach, a speaker, an author, a course creator or a consultant, uh, that's really who this book is for. And um, it's really, it's very powerful because th- what's what's also really great is I want people to realize this isn't about me, right? So many of the gurus out there, they make it all about themselves. And it's like, well, I, my response is, who cares? Who cares if you did it? All I care about is, can I do it? Right? So in the book, I give you example after example after example, story after story, after story real life case studies of the clients that I've helped, whether it's one-on-one or group coaching, so that they have reached the seven-figure level. Because let's be honest. Who cares if one person did it? You know, that could be just luck, right? That could be maybe their personality or maybe they, you know, struck gold somewhere or whatever. So it doesn't matter if that guy did it. What matters is, is there a system that anybody can use? That's what people need to look for.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, there's an old saying that says success leaves clues. Um right. you've obviously been a little bit successful in life. I'm really <laughs> underselling that. <laughs> um you know you've done some major breakthroughs for both yourself and other people. Um mm-hmm. this whole concept that you just introduced to us. You're going to give us a seven-figure expert book for free, give the ebook while they're waiting for it. Um when you're helping people up level do and you know you've got the whole done for you on the book. Um tell authors I mean should they have that same kind of process in what they do, give away their. Oh,
3: well, there's a lot of pros to it, and not many cons, really. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when, when when people hire me to coach them, whether it's one-on-one coaching or group coaching, you know, a question I get all the time is, "Well, Noah, should I write a book?" You know, I've you know, like the stem cell doctor I was just talking about, you know, who hired me to do that for him and the book and the funnel, and you know, my my response is always the same: Should you write a book? Yes. Do you have to write a book? No. I mean, you know, I'm not going to come over to your house and, and, you know, you have to write a book, but should you? Yeah, because here's my point. So let's say you're a coach, right? Or you're an author. Well, of course, if you're an author, you've written a book. But I mean, if you're a speaker or, even you know, a real estate agent, right? Or or a wealth manager. I, I work with wealth managers and chiropractors and, you know, just all dozens and dozens of industries. So let's say you're a realtor, right? And you have realtor A, who's written a book, and realtor B, who has not written a book. Who is the person probably going to go with? They're probably going to go with the person who's written the book. Just by virtue of writing a book, you instantly position yourself above 99% of your competition who has not written a book. And keep in mind that 80% of American adults say they want to write a book. Okay, so the, the, the point is that should you write a book? Yeah, I mean, you really should. The, the other problem, of course, is that people think it's really, really hard. So, you know, I've written and published 22 books, I've actually got five, believe it or not, I got five books coming out this year. In one year, I got five books, it's been a very prolific year for me. Um, you know, and those are both self-published and with traditional publishers. So, you know, I, I've seen it all, I've done it all. I mean, I've had six-figure advances from major New York publishers. So, I've done everything in this industry. And, Very few people have done, you know, have the experience that I have. So I can help the, you know, I can help you. I can help the person, whether they're just starting out or whether they've even written a book or just thinking about writing a book for, you know, the last five or 10 years or whatever. So, I mean, should you have a book? The answer is, yeah, you probably should if you want to stand above your competition.
1: I really appreciate that, Um, you know, because a lot of people are always asking me and it's nice to have somebody besides me that bangs the same drum just every once in a while. Yep,
3: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So again, go to sevenfigureexpertbook.com. That's the number seven, FigureExpertbook.com. Get the free book, you know, really get all the great juicy stuff that Dr. Noah St. John has there. Uh, Before I let you go, Noah, give us just one last word of encouragement so that we really feel like we can do it before we let you go.
3: Absolutely. And I'll just reiterate something that I said, which is make sure when you are hiring a coach or a mentor, make sure you're hiring a person who has a system. OK, not their personality. There are a lot of big, larger than life personalities in this industry. And let's face it, they're taking up all the air. You know, they're taking up all the air in the room. We all know who they are. And, you know, that's fine. But my point is, is it personality driven success or is it system driven success? I know for me, I had to spend over half a million dollars. I paid all those guys all this money only to find out they can't teach their way out of a paper bag. And that all they have is a bunch of personality. Well, that's great. What if I don't have that personality? What am I supposed to do? Right? And the fact is 95% of us don't have that kind of personality. So oh, guess I guess we're out of luck. So that's what my books, all my training, my coaching is for. It's for the people who say, listen, I just need a system. Can you give me a checklist? Can you give me a, a roadmap? And that's exactly what I wish I, somebody would have given me a long time ago, and they never did. So, you know, I had to put it together myself from, you know, 20 years of study and spending over half a million dollars to all those guys. And so the point is, that's what was really going to get you there so much faster is having that that step by step roadmap, fill in the blank, plug and play, paint by numbers so that you can get there so much faster and easier than ever before.
1: Dr. Nola, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. I appreciate you so, so much.
3: It's my pleasure. Such
1: great stuff. Oh, my goodness. Seven-figure experts, critical feather theory, journaling for caregivers. What a great bunch of books to help you grow. What an amazing way for you to live every day of your life. As a thriving entrepreneur, I want that for you. I crave that for you as well. And I hope that you know you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. So as you read these books, as you grow, as you journal, as you do the work to make you a better person you also make the world a better place. And we're all lucky to know you, to have you in our lives, and to watch as you change the world and live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Until we're together again next time, have a great week.
0: Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next
2: time.
1: My name is Steve Kidd. I am a third generation minister, an international best-selling author of multiple books, and I help people write, publish, and market their books to bestseller. In fact, there are literally thousands of people that have used the system that I created to be able to write, publish, and market their books, and now they're best-selling authors. And you're next. I just wanted to come on for a minute, say hi to you, tell you a little bit about me introduce myself and tell you i know the world is waiting on your message and i would be so honored to be part of sharing your message with the world go to askstevekid.com and schedule a time to talk today